0: And there was that aha moment at 12 o'clock, midnight that night, that first night. I remember holding him on the couch and I was giving him his uh, antiviral meds because they started him on meds, um, just as preventive measures. I'm not even really positive the scientific reasons behind that, but he was on antiviral meds. (sighs) And I remember looking at him five days old and thinking to myself, there is absolutely nothing that this child has ever done wrong that is causing this. Hmm. And this is simply the, the sin of a mother and a father that you could probably then trace that back to the sin yeah. of, a, of a grandmother and a grandfather and, and so on and so on, all the way back to, to Adam um, to say that this is uh, no clearer picture Of the gospel in my life not that we are saviors of these children but that Mm. god uses us as redemptive measures for these kids that Mm. that reaches into their lives and say okay this child needs a christian direction
1: hey and welcome back to the all things all people podcast i of course am jeremy jenkins your host and a part of All Things All People. And I'm so glad that today you're tuned into this episode and that today, at least, you also are part of the vision of All Things All People, which of course is to see generations of Christian thinkers raised up to understand and reach the world around them with transformative message of the gospel. To put it more concise, All Things All People exist to teach Christians how to think like Christians, And today is honestly one of the best examples of that. The Christian thinker for today is my good friend, old friend, Jeff Marburger. Jeff and I talk about a desire, a passion that's been on his heart for the last few years. And even preceding that, uh, when he and his wife Mandy began... Uh, the process of becoming foster parents, which led to to today, where they oversee and run a ministry called uh, One More One Less Project here in Western North Carolina, really blessing the entire state of North Carolina. And what you're going to hear from Jeff today is how being a Christian and thinking like a Christian, which is what we talk about on this show, should lead you to not just you know having a heart for people who are disenfranchised. But actually doing something about it in the way that Jeff and his team are doing that is by equipping and raising up foster families and people who might be able to demonstrate the gospel for children the way that Jeff and Mandy have. And Jeff's an old friend of mine. Um, You're going to hear us talk and it's probably going to sound different than a normal interview on this show because uh, he and I have known each other for about 10 years. And I can remember, you're going to hear us tell the story of, I remember the phone call that he got, which led to him and his wife getting their first foster child and how just influential that moment was. But for me, part of the reason why I was so excited to have Jeff on the show was really the last three or four months. You know, we here in the United States right now, are coming out of what has been a tumultuous political season. And it seems as if maybe we're not even really coming out of it. It seems like with every day, there's new bad news, uh, depending on what side of the aisle you're on. But as I processed the presidential election, and I reflected on the fact that, um, you know, there were just so many divisive things during that season. Well, here's the thing. I am I am very pro-life. Um, I, I truly believe that it is difficult to reconcile a Christian worldview and to not advocate for the life of the unborn. And uh, Donald Trump, our last president here in the U.S., uh, had the opportunity to place three Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court. And I know that many of you might not really have liked that because maybe you don't think It's difficult to reconcile a Christian worldview with being pro-choice, but I do. And uh, so Christians all around the world, really, um, especially here in the United States, began to celebrate the potential of seeing Roe v. Wade, the, the precedent law that allows for Uh, the national um, abortion law uh, here in the U S people began to think that that might be repealed or at least edited in some way. And it was like the Lord really placed a burden on me. And actually Dr. Russell Moore. And I spoke about this on his episode of the show where I truly began to feel like Christians were not prepared for the consequences of seeing abortion Become less of a reality. And what I mean by that is, we're not prepared to help single mothers. We're not prepared to uh, meet the needs of foster children. We're not prepared to deal with the broken homes. And Christians can say all they want that government is not the institution that is supposed to uh, administer the solutions of these problems. And I agree. But if you say that, and you and your community of believers is not actively helping, then. Maybe you shouldn't say that. And, you know, lucky for me, one of my oldest friends, <laughs> at least adult friends, uh, Jeff Marburger, uh, began to walk me through what we can do about that. And so I'm excited for you to hear this show. If you haven't reviewed the show, go to Apple Podcasts, review the show, share it on social media, share this particular episode with somebody you think needs to hear it. Um, but I'm excited for you to hear today's episode and today's Christian Thinker, a good friend of mine personally, Jeff Marburger. My next guest is a good friend of mine for the last 10 years who he and his wife are co-founders of One More One Less Project, a ministry devoted to seeing the need for fostering and adoption addressed specifically in the state of North Carolina. He and his team have a tremendous heart for families and children who have been negatively affected uh, and the children specifically living in foster care, waiting for families to express the gospel, show the gospel through the act of adoption. But uh, as you're going to hear there's so much more to this need, so much more to this problem than just adopting uh, Christians. As Jeff and Mandy tell people so often, his whole team uh, really can be a part of this from the bottom up, even if you don't adopt a child. And so I'm excited to have on the show today one of my good, good friends, Jeff Marburger. And side note, uh, big Cleveland fan. Big Cavs, Indians, Browns fan. Buckeyes. Uh, Buckeyes. So good week and bad week for 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 the Browns and and the and the Buckeyes. Can we? No question. Are you as surprised as I am that the Browns are that the Browns are actually good?
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's I, I, uh yeah uh pinching myself that it was real on Sunday night.
1: I told somebody the other day. And I, I guess I, I'm just not. I haven't drank the the Cleveland Kool Aid yet. But uh, I said, well, it was like three three months ago. I was just like, well, add Baker Mayfield to the back of the jersey because uh, you know the Browns have this infamous list of quarterbacks that have come and gone. But it seems like he might be the the chosen one.
0: Yeah, and when they're winning, <laughs> winning solves a yeah. multitude of problems, right? Well, a multitude of sins.
1: Uh, so Jeff, I'm I'm really glad that you're you're doing this, that you're on the show today. Uh, let's just start off with this. Uh, why, why did you and Mandy, uh, who is your lovely wife and you have an amazing team, I've been actually really impressed with, with your team in the early days of, of One More, One Less, and then now you guys are fairly well established. But let's just start off with this. What was the genesis of starting an organization uh, to to really just, I guess, address the issue of that. We have way too many kids in foster care and it doesn't seem as if Christians are doing, doing enough.
0: Sure. And so, uh, we were exposed to it. Jeremy, you mind if I pray for us,
1: go, get a Go right ahead.
0: <laughs> Jesus, uh, thank you so much. Um, that we're your sons and daughters. I thank you that, uh, that just uh, frees us up to live in uh, a freedom that is just, uh, I feel like it's so foreign to this world. And so I just pray that, uh, uh, we would realize that we're sons and daughters. And from that, uh, is, is birth a confidence in who you are, um, as a loving father. And I thank you so much for, uh, Jeremy. Thank you for all things, all people. And, um, I just pray that you would bless, uh, the work of his hands and just thank you so much for what we've been able to do with one more, one less project. We love you, Lord. It's in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, I think for, for us, the genesis of it, the beginning of it was uh, the uh, looking back on it. It felt like it was the inability to conceive children um, mm-hmm. biologically, the uh, kind of quote-unquote traditional way. Yeah. Um, but when I look back on it, there's uh, just God weaving grace through the whole story, and uh, it's cool to think back. My wife and I um, were actually uh, group home parents at a uh, foster home in the county in Cleveland County, actually um, in in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, that was kind of the the first seed that was planted. Uh, I'm I'm uh, sometimes. Uh, all the time, a little slower than my wife is with, with seeing how God works. But that wasn't the trigger as much as the, uh, inability to get pregnant for, for us, uh, for my wife and I to conceive a child. Um, and so we began to go through these, uh, foster parenting classes, mm-hmm. uh, just through our local, uh, department of social services. So we were in the 10th uh, week of the class and actually found out we were pregnant yeah. with uh, a biological son. Uh, who's Beckett who's our, who's our 9 year old now yeah. and so this ministry was really birthed through uh just God weaving grace through our personal stories and then opening our eyes to a much broader need on a, a statewide scale and even obviously it's yeah. it's it's everywhere it's not just yeah. North Carolina
1: so I, I you know you and i've known each other for we're right about 10 years now i think so Beckett's nine. So I must have. We must have met like right after Beckett was born, then or right before, I guess. And I remember the the early days of 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 even that story of he was a miracle. Sure. You know, I mean, he, he he truly was, and I, and he had some health issues, I think, uh, yeah. when when he was first born. And so I remember seeing you guys walk through that. And it would have been, uh, we have, we have spies, uh, it would have been, uh, <clears throat> it would have been easy to, to kind of say, okay, Hey Lord, like, I guess we don't need to foster. Sure. I guess we don't need to go through adoption. Uh, we got our little boy hmm. and we're just going to kind of stop here. Um, What was it then that kind of propelled you beyond that? Not that that's wrong. I mean, some people probably have that experience. But for you guys, I remember very early on, even after you guys had Beckett, the the fire to foster and towards adoption was still present. So what was it that kept you guys going in that regards?
0: Absolutely. And there was, uh, you know, that old uh, saying, I'm trying to remember who said it, but there's uh, two types of problems in the world. Uh, one that you're close enough to be truly impacted by it, and then Mm -hmm. the other one that you're not paying close enough attention to. And uh, so by that time, when we had gone through the MAPS classes, you hear the statistics, you hear the stories. um, And for us, there was uh, no callousness of heart with that. And there was a realization that, hey, these children... Uh, literally uh, don't have direction or a home Mm -hmm. if somebody doesn't step up. And uh, our heart was that for the church, and we saw that, and we said, hey, for us to say the church needs to be involved in this, obviously a huge heart of mine is that we are the church, us personally, and so we are microcosms of the church. And if we're not walking in obedience towards this, then why would I ever expect the the big C uh, yeah. corporate church uh, to walk in obedience yeah. to this?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so I suppose instead of standing up on stage and we might say casting vision mm-hmm. for <clears throat> even something that looks like what we would call one more, one less project, it, the idea of being like, well, let's just be convicted mm-hmm. and, and, and move in obedience towards those convictions. I was with you Uh, pretty seminal moment has to be for you. I mean, I remember it very vividly. We were in a meeting and I remember you guys had been waiting basically for the opportunity to foster. Mm. Um, and specifically towards adoption, I believe, of course you never really know, I guess when you're getting involved with fostering, this isn't, I mean, this isn't, um, Like some people adopt and they maybe it's an international adoption to where when they meet that child, they know, okay, I'm likely going to take this child home. This child's going to be mine in fostering. You're really never sure exactly what's going to happen. But I remember when you guys got the call for uh, the baby who is now your, your child, Isaiah. And, and I remember, um, I mean, there were questions of health issues. There were questions of, what this baby had been through mm. and just some really, I mean, I remember sitting there and you and I are the same age and just being, and really being like, so, oh, oh, so Jeff's, Jeff's better than me. Like Jeff's, I mean, cause you guys, I mean, I remember you got about of that meeting. Your brother, Josh was actually visiting. He's a good friend of mine as well. Mm. Um, and I remember just me and, and another one of our friends, Skip, just looking at each other going, he's going to go pick up this baby. Mm. And you know, there were some serious health issues sure. possibly, and family situation, which was obviously not good. And I remember thinking that is maybe one of the most amazing things Mm -hmm. I'd ever seen. Um, Walk me through – I mean, even – because you've had a lot of – I mean, how many many children now have you officially adopted?
0: Uh, We've officially adopted two, and then we have two more in our house that are moving towards adoption, so we have five kids total. Right, yeah.
1: So that's – so so, but the (laughs) – That's insane. So I have two. Yeah, I have two and I can't handle that, but, Mm um, we can't handle ours. So what, what walk, walk us through, like, what was that feeling like getting that first phone call of going? I don't even know. Like if every, I mean, we, you and I just said it, like your kids are healthy. Uh, it ended up being, as I ended up being healthy, my two children are healthy Mm -hmm. and we just joked saying we couldn't really handle it. Sure. So walk me then through going, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to pick up this baby and yeah. Lord, I'm just going to trust you.
0: It's cool to relive while you're uh, talking, just being in this building where that mm-hmm. very thing happened. That
1: happened upstairs from where we're recording this show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Such a blessing. Uh, just how the Lord weaves weaves uh, parts of our story. Um, mm-hmm together and just being able to stop and realize that. But, uh, so Isaiah's mom, biological mom was, uh, HIV positive at the time. That's kind of the health concern that mm-hmm. Jeremy's talking about. This was our, uh, first call ever yeah. with foster care. Uh, I remember <laughs> getting off the phone with, uh, my wife, Mandy, um, down here in the basement and then walking up to staff meeting and there, it was just like a, a truly, um, surreal moment where it was like okay what the rubber's getting ready to meet the road you know it's not uh this isn't some uh ideal that's out there anymore that i know situations about uh this is always uh, john piper says you know the idea of a toothache and a toothache are far Mm. different and that was really what i was experiencing at that Mm -hmm. time that it was uh uh, and I remember, I'm not a, a very emotional guy at different times, but that was uh, a truly emotional moment. And then, uh, Jeremy, I'll, I'll never forget. I remember that moment, and then it was midnight that night. We had picked up Isaiah from the hospital and uh they call hiv a very transient disease yeah. where uh, they can test you for it at the beginning but they can't tell with certainty yeah. whether he has it or not so the first test came back negative um, but they said there's still like a five to seven percent chance uh that the disease was hiding from that specific blood yeah. test and so they wouldn't know for sure with 100 percent certainty until like three months and so you know you start thinking through all the different things that, mm-hmm. uh, the, the blood that's, uh, with babies yeah. and, you know, you, you think through circumcision and different things like this, where you're really close to, uh, a child's blood. And so we really processed that. And then there was that aha moment at 12 o'clock midnight that night, that first night, I remember holding him on the couch and I was giving him his, uh, antiviral meds cause mm. they started him on meds. Um, just as preventive measures. I'm not even really positive the scientific reasons behind right. that, but he was on antiviral meds. <sighs> and I remember looking at him, five days old, and thinking to myself, there is absolutely nothing that this child has ever done wrong that is causing this. Mm. And this is simply the the sin of a mother and a father that you could probably then trace that back to the sin yeah. of, a, of a grandmother and a grandfather and and so on and so on all the way back to to adam um to say that this is uh, no clearer picture of the gospel in my life not that we are saviors of these children but that mm-hmm. god uses us as redemptive measures for these kids that mm-hmm. that reaches into their lives and say okay this child needs a christian direction a godly direction mm-hmm. that says, "Hey, this is who Christ is," and while you're at your worst, while you can do absolutely nothing for this family, yeah. <laughs> you know, while you're in diapers, while you're pooping yourself, and while yeah. you need to be fed two yeah. hours a day, mm-hmm. every two hours, um, Jesus stepped in and, and saved us. And so yeah. now, what's our response to that? Is our response, "Okay, that's a problem for somebody else to handle," and uh, I, I, we get that ideology a lot that, hey, you guys are kind of these super Christians, yeah. kind of almost that missionary mentality yeah. mm-hmm. where we put people that go overseas and leave what they know uh, behind for the gospel. But the the joy that's in obedience yeah is, is such a privilege for mm-hmm. us to live. And it's such a uh, the treasure of my life right now. Um, mm-hmm. We've just taken in a 10-year-old recently the last month and a half and man, it's it's wrecked our worlds. It really has mm-hmm. just uh, um, changed everything, changed birth order, changed, hey, yeah. you went from four kids to five kids. Yeah. Uh, you, you bring in all of the, uh, I'll say it gently, but baggage of a 10-year-old that's been in the system for yeah. three and a half years um, that was neglected by mom and dad um, that was supposed to be that uh, protector and provider for yeah. him and you bring all of that in, but there's a certain calm, uh, when you're truly dependent on Jesus that comes that it's truly no sacrifice. You know, it's truly no, uh, you know, that Jim Elliott, he is no fool Mm -hmm. to give up what he can't keep to gain. What he can't lose is is something you lean on in foster care. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, you, you quoted John Piper, who is kind of your, your guy that you listen to and Christian hedonism is, uh, littered all throughout everything you just said. Um, rightfully so. So I'll trade you a, a Tim Keller quote, um, <laughs> who's, you know, who I, who I listen to predominantly. And I, I heard him say once, you know, you go into maybe an inner city and you find children who, um, their schools are, lacking their their you know ability to eat a nutritious diet is lacking uh their family life is lacking Mm -hmm. and conservatives will say it's because of the dissolution of the family unit in american culture and liberals will say it's because we haven't allocated the funds Mm -hmm. to the correct things but what no one is saying is that it's the child's fault Mm -hmm. and i think that's where the church is amen like i mean of course right now more than time in our lives the church is trying to figure out where does it fit politically but I think what you know what you're describing and what guys like Piper and Keller say more eloquently than than either of us ever could but mm-hmm. is that you know in Isaiah 58 when God is saying the fast that I choose is to loose the bron- the bonds of oppression and it, 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 you can't ultimately do that politically. It has to be obedience. It has to mm. be a child who, I mean, sometimes from my perspective, it seems like adoption can almost, some people allow it to become almost like uh, handpicking a child that mm. maybe fits into their family life mm. better. And um, adoption still adoption. But what I saw with you all those years ago with, with really starting, like I said, with Beckett, because even after you had Beckett, he, your fire for adoption didn't subside. But especially that phone call with Isaiah, and now, you know, uh, even more children now is that this isn't the kid's fault, hmm. and and so what's the church's response then? The church's response is it wasn't. You know, I mean, like what what did Christ do yeah. when we were born into sin? He adopted us, and yeah. and I think Piper once again. I think I've heard Piper say. The greatest joy in Christian salvation is actually not justification; it's adoption. Amen. Is the justification is what made it possible for us to be adopted in the? It's the relationship. We always say oh, Christianity is not a religion; it's a relationship, and that's a layered statement for sure. But it's true in that, like the adoption and the grafting into, mm-hmm. is is really where we find find our joy. And so, so I, you know, all these years later now, and, and even more children later and, and all these things like, so you, you felt compelled you. So you were um, you were actually the youth pastor at element before I was, and then we worked together for quite a long time. You were part of a church plant that uh, in basically the next County over um, that came out of element. And then there came a day where I heard, Oh, Jeff is leaving the church. To go start an adoption ministry, Mm. and I remember going, well, that's risky, Mm. you know. um, And and I'm sure there were feelings of that. But what compelled you then to make this go from this is something that me and Mandy do to this is something I want to see other Christians do.
0: Yeah, and so I think that was for me how I've always viewed ministry, uh, through church planning and through the lens of, uh, my experience. We, my wife and I got married very young and jumped right into ministry, mm-hmm. um, in the youth pastor sense, and then discipleship and yeah. then in a more administrative role at the church plant that we were uh, a part of. And I, have always viewed, uh, the needs you know, you see needs within a church body, you see things that can be better, and you become a contributor rather than a Mm -hmm. consumer. Um, And that was uh, something that I saw as I look back over my life, my wife and I, for our 10-year anniversary, went away to uh, Sky Valley, uh, Georgia, right on the border of North Carolina and Georgia. And uh, it was there that as I just kind of evaluated and prayed and processed that I really began to see how God had uh, intricately uh, woven adoption and foster care all through my life and how that was a unique gifting Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. a unique uh, calling that not many people See, as we spoke at a church in in December, and a sixty year old, I got to have lunch with him um, a couple weeks ago, and he said, "You know, I've been in church for fifty years, and I've never heard adoption spoken about from stage." Mm. And I thought, "Man, that's an interesting statement." And I think, I think that they're that the Lord's using my wife and I to be catalysts um, in our organization, yeah. um, obviously, to be catalysts into opening people's eyes, because that's our mission statement, to mm-hmm. inform, inspire, and intertwine the local church with foster care and adoption. And so it's kind of a, a, a niche that we didn't see in North Carolina. We didn't mm-hmm. see many organizations um, going around to the Bride of Christ and saying, hey, this is another uh, area that you can be uh, have the joy of obedience in, yeah. and that you can see uh, your people move from Uh, disobedience and um, lethargy Mm -hmm. into obedience and activity. Um, And so we really uh, prayed about that. There was an inward wrestling because it wasn't that God was calling us away from the church plan. Mm -hmm. It was that God was calling us to this ministry, and we knew we couldn't do both effectively. And so we really dove into that head first when we said, okay, God, it's, it's yours. I love the local church. I love uh, the people that are involved in the local church, and it hurt to, uh, to be called away from that for this season. Um, and I don't know what God's got for us next, but mm-hmm. the local church, we're very much still pastors yeah. Um we're just uh I always tell people we're pastors to foster parents and evangelists mm-hmm. to foster children. Yeah. And that's how I kind of in my mind's eye view the church in yeah. that kind of uh North Carolina realm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, so you, you know I know that I personally know how involved you are still with with that particular church and you know for those uh curious, it's Hope Community Church in, in Shelby, North Carolina, mm-hmm. closely tied with, with the church. I'm a pastor at of Element Church, and um, I was there just a few weeks ago, and there you were, you know, right in the middle of everything like you've always been with those guys over there, and so uh, I think it is a good picture of how closely tied really any parachurch ministry should be with Amen. the local church. I mean, I, that's how I, I desire to be with all things, and, and you, you know, you with one more, one less. Um, I had Russell Moore on the show a few months ago. And of course, Russell Moore is, is head of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, very, very much uh, a, a, an example of maybe what it looks like to be a Christian engaging with politics at a mm. at a national level. And he and I discussed Roe v. Wade mm. and, you know, President Trump had the crazy uh, appointment of God, I suppose, to name three Supreme Court justices in what? was his only term, which is unbelievable to have three. And so then the conversation became, are we going to see Roe v. Wade overturned? Are we going to see Roe v. Wade edited? And we don't know yet. What I discussed with Russell Moore, and I'd love to get your perspective on, is what's what the Lord's really been wrestling with me over is, it seems to me many Christians, when they hear... That Roe v. Wade might is going to be addressed in some form or fashion. They of course celebrated the sure. at the, at the possibility that a, abortion might come to an end, mm-hmm. at least to some degree. I mean, it's if anybody's listening and they think that Roe v. Wade being abolished is going to eradicate abortion, that's it's not probably true. But it, but what it would do is make it much more difficult to 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 yeah. have access to and all these things. And and it's, it's of course something to celebrate as somebody who's ferociously pro-life as both of us are. But the conviction of my heart is in pastoring people who are celebrating Roe v. Wade ending possibly, or at least being editing is that we will now have more orphans Mm. and we will have more mothers and fathers who have no idea how they're going to make this work. Mm. If they decide, you know, now that they're keeping these children that may have been aborted and, 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 and I began to look at your ministry differently because I was just like, oh, we are drastically going to need mm. people like you and Mandy and and your team um, to shepherd us mm. in this new frontier. Because, of course, we we I think most uh, evangelical Christians are celebrating at the possibility that we would see uh, abortion come to an end or at the very least less.
0: Amen.
1: But. I don't personally think the church is ready for it. Mm. I, I really don't. I don't think the church is ready for more orphans, for more foster kids, for more sure. single mothers who don't know how they're going to feed their child. Sure. And so I think the Lord's even appointed, you know, people like you and maybe somebody listening who, you know, you hear that and you go, yeah, I want to be a part of answering that. Like, so, so when you look at the next five years and just kind of go, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think one more, one less is in it at a, a very, a specific point where it can help the church, like what would you then say to Christians who, who thought that maybe seeing abortion come to an end was the answer, but it's really just providing new problems that the church is uniquely suited to Amen. address kind of what's your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So as you were talking, uh, I think that the phrase, Kind of orphans equals opportunities mm-hmm. uh, for the church was one that kind of popped into my mind and heart right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus tells us there will always be the poor among you. Yeah. You know what I mean? There will always be the oppressed. There will always yeah. be the the needs there, and so uh, the Lord has. You know, you hear the stats all the time. If one church out of every seven would take in a child, the foster care yeah. uh, problem in the United mm-hmm. States would be accounted for. And it's it's much more than that. Um, our heart is to to cultivate cultures of foster care and adoption within churches. And so, if you don't um, get the family. Uh, biological family and foster mm. family, um, working towards holiness. There's always going to be that problem. Um, and so I think kind of in a roundabout way, I'm trying to answer your question of, Hey, what do I think about abortion being, um, essentially illegal? Yeah. Um, obviously that is a great thing. Millions of babies right. each year don't die, but, the flip side of the coin that a lot of Americans and church leaders are realizing is that millions of babies are now going to be born into hell situations
1: worse than we could imagine.
0: Yes. And so now, uh, you know, now, now, there's an opportunity for each of these children to stand before the the King of Kings at their appointed time. And now they're going to have to give an account for what they did um, Mm -hmm. rather than entering into, to, to glory's gates immediately uh, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're, they're conceived and then aborted. But I think opportunity is, is what my heart's cry would be um, that there is opportunity to, again, like we started out the show, Mm -hmm. there's, Problems that you're close enough to see mm-hmm. that you're impacted by, and you move towards, and then there's problems that you choose, and choose is the mm-hmm. is the word there. You yeah. choose to ignore, and you choose because uh, that's you know when the heart is pricked. There's that emotion there, right? Mm-hmm. There's that emotion, and C.S. Lewis said, you know, when you uh, every time that you uh, feel those emotions without acting, you become more callous to even be able to feel them, mm-hmm. and that's uh, again not a direct quote, but that's what his the sentiments yeah. of yeah. his quote, um, and I think uh, Jesus being our model that hey every every opportunity for ministry um, in the local church within the local church has value uh, for the world beyond the local mm-hmm. church. And so I think that's what I see as circles of influence becoming um, difference makers. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously that ability to um, have those opportunities, because then these people that have been shouting against abortion for yeah. years upon years upon mm-hmm. years are now— uh, no. the battle cry now has to become, <laughs> hey— Here's these kids that need, yeah. need a champion because every yeah. child deserves a champion. Yeah. Somebody that's going to step in mm-hmm. for them and, mm-hmm. and uh, advocate them and, and see that they can be the best that they can be yeah. through Christ. And that's why our heart is the local yeah. church is because it's Christians guiding mm-hmm. these children into a godly, not yeah. life, not mm-hmm. just a good life.
1: And when you think about that, that picture that you just painted of somebody who has been uh, correctly rallying against abortion, mm-hmm. Some people, right, I mean, I think Roe v. Wade came into effect in the 1960s or early 70s. And mm-hmm. so, you know, some people for the better part of 40 and 50 years, yeah. you know, um, have been against it. And now, right, there's a prospect that something might move. And, and, and what you're saying is, would we'll consider redirecting that energy Absolutely. towards now a holistic movement of now we have children and families. Because sure. that's the other thing, too, I think that gets lost in in adoption specifically fostering towards adoption is the true Christian, the true gospel movement in adoption really includes the biological family. I think is in, in, and I've seen that in your heart of just Mm -hmm. say always saying like, well, if possible, I'd like for this biological family to be involved in this child's life and for the healing to be extended even to them. Mm -hmm. Um, to
0: be moved close towards the gospel.
1: Yeah. And so it's not just rescuing a child is it's, it's demonstrating the gospel for, for everybody involved. But so for somebody listening and, and maybe we could just do this through talking about one more, one less, but you just said every child deserves a champion, somebody to advocate for them, somebody to not just give them, you know, a good life, but, but really a gospel shaped life. Amen. It and you, you know, you said it's, it's you and Mandy have a unique gifting inclination towards adoption and fostering and it's manifest throughout your life. Maybe somebody doesn't feel that way. Maybe somebody says for whatever circumstance, I I can't, but as I said in the intro there, what I've learned through watching you is there is a whole litany of things that a Christian can do or be a part of along with adoption and fostering to really address this issue. So how is one more, one less project doing that um, in the churches that it's serving? Like how, how are you directing people to be involved um, across the board?
0: Yeah. So uh, our 30,000 viewpoint is that you create a funnel, you know, mm-hmm. a, a funnel, which at the bottom of the funnel is foster parents. Uh, but at that top of that funnel, uh, there's so many different ways to be engaged in the foster care world. And, uh, our organization strives to set up this, uh, it's almost a system within churches, um, mm-hmm. that allows people to, uh, to taste and see, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? To taste and see, uh, that, that foster care is a huge need and and move that close to them and then have them be impacted by the gospel uh to move towards obedience but mm-hmm. the, uh, there's three different ways um, that we really encourage people to engage and that's through a, a prayer team mm-hmm. um, and just briefly want to run through these if you want more information yeah, please yeah. visit our our website at
1: yeah one more one lessproject.com and and the sh- the link for the website's going to be in the show notes along with Facebook and Instagram you have a really uh talented young lady, I think who does a lot of your social media. What's her name again? Mandy Marburger. Well, Mandy, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then Chris, who, who's uh, a, a huge part too. Uh, but check out the social media. That's in the, that's in the show notes. And, um, uh- and, and check that out for, for more detailed information. And you can always reach out to, to Jeff, that, that information will be there, but yeah, briefly
0: for sure. But we have a, a, a prayer director. That's a part of our team that covers every aspect of this world in prayer. Uh, you know, and we, we really try to set up a, a, a weekly, uh, to biweekly prayer meeting, mm-hmm. um, where people, uh, move, Uh, towards the heart of God through prayer. Mm -hmm. And so that's one way to be engaged. Um, We don't take that lightly. That's uh, where our organization strives to start and strives to end. Um, through Mm -hmm. the power of prayer. And then there's a a foster parent and guardian ad litem. So you can sign up to become a foster parent. And then a guardian ad litem is something that a lot of people aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, But a guardian ad litem is is essentially uh, a voice for a child in court. That's their Mm -hmm. kind of tagline. Um, But my heart for it is it's within the foster care system, this is the greatest um, ability to be an evangelist in the foster care world because you're engaging with the foster uh, family, and then you're engaging with the biological family, mm-hmm. and so it's it, it it's positioned uniquely in the fact that it gives them access to uh, relational building with. Uh, the foster families and the uh, biological families. And every child needs one of these that's mm-hmm. um, in the system. Just to give you kind of perspective, I'm, I'm a, a kind of a, a little bite. I, I like big numbers, but also I, I kind of resonate with, with smaller numbers in Rutherford County here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like 18 foster parents licensed mm-hmm. foster homes. Mm-hmm. And there's like 170 kids that are in the yeah. foster care system. Those are loose numbers. They, they, they change every day, but it's fairly of, small County. Yes. But
1: I mean, that 170 is a big number for mm-hmm. a small County,
0: in Cleveland County. Um, which is our our home county mm-hmm. and the adjacent county here, there's a, about uh, 75 licensed foster homes and then there's about 200 kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just kind of gives mm-hmm. you some perspective about these counties and about the kids that are available. But the guardian ad litems, every child uh, needs a guardian ad litem. And so mm-hmm. those are two different ways uh, to plug in. And then the, the last one is community care. Mm-hmm. Um, and so community care, I always describe it to people as it's the gift of hospitality. Yeah, uh, People mm-hmm. don't realize how Having a child uh, come into your home at 5 p.m. at night kind of wrecks your world. There's yeah, yeah. no nine-month gestational period. Mm-hmm. There's no okay, baby showers. Yeah, there's no let's run set up the the crib. It's it's uh, all systems are a go. And a lot of times these kids are brought to you with a, a trash bag full of clothes that, you know, for some of them it's lice infested and mm-hmm. just stuff that you would never bring yeah. into your house. Yeah. And so there's immediate needs right away.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so those community care people wrap around. They wrap around the the social workers that are in the system, the mm-hmm. uh, foster families. You know, there's just so many different ways that you can serve within mm-hmm. that realm um, mm-hmm. that needs to be there. And so we set up those three different things. And then we set up a, a leadership team at churches um, that we try to make it sustainable. Uh, we provide the vision and the oversight, um, but then the church is, is uh, responsible for making it sustainable. Because that's one thing, uh, and you know this, Jeremy, pastors only have a certain bandwidth yeah. and there's very few pastors in America that have moved close towards adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a bad thing. That's just not what they're called to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our the heart of our organization is to provide an outlet for those pastors that don't have the bandwidth uh, to start a foster care ministry uh, that's sustainable and that's mm-hmm. uh, really kind of um, uh, replicable mm-hmm. along with um, being – uh, the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it gives people yeah. the opportunity to serve in so many different ways for churches as well.
1: Yeah. And for somebody listening who hears all that, and it seems, it can seem overwhelming of course, because to a certain degree it is, I mean, sure. this is a huge problem. Yeah. And so the answer is not going to be easy, yeah, I mean, I mean. but it, the picture I think that you're painting really is that, you know, you need, you need one, one family, maybe mm-hmm. obviously more than optimally opt, ideally more than that. But mm-hmm. But that one family needs a team of people around them, you know, and in in prayer, in helping in these circumstances where, you know, children are being brought to them and they don't have anything and, mm. and things like that. So the picture that I've seen in One More, One Less is the idea that, you know, the church, even for foster families outside of the church, right? There's a lot of most of those foster families are not tied to the church, mm. And so, what an amazing opportunity the church has to say, "Hey, we don't have anybody in our church who is able or willing to foster anybody right now." So, the so the common answer then would be, "We can't be involved." Mm. Do you have anybody who'd be willing to start a community care team to to reach out to the foster families, to reach out to the social workers, to reach out to the guardian ad litem and say, yeah. "Hey, can we do your laundry? Can sure. we can we throw a baby shower for some new foster parents who don't have any?" Toys, cribs, sure. high chairs, formula, so on, so on. Um, because this is just stuff that, like, this is what I'm saying is like the government cannot answer some of these problems. I mean, oh, yeah. they, you know, DSS or whatever organization uh, regionally, you know, is 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 in your uh, locale is like they can't provide every need, mm-hmm. and 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 so the church really needs to fill in the gaps, and and maybe even uh, go over and above that. Amen. And so, so if you're listening and you say. I want to be involved, but I can't, I can't foster a kid that I, what I'm hearing from you guys is that's not the only way to help this problem. And if we're truly looking to be, you know, gospel saturated people is find a foster family that is not, in the church amen. and serve them amen, and then serve the kids and then serve the biological family and serve the social worker. And, and so there's a, just a tremendous opportunity and it's not just, I mean, if your church starts a ministry uh, regarding it, that's great, amen, but it doesn't have to be sure. a church ministry. It can just be you, amen. you know? And so, so I, to me, man, I mean, I've, I mean, I've respected it from the beginning. And like I said, going way back to that first call mm. in, you know, in our staff meeting where you left to go pick up a baby that might have HIV. And I was just, you know, I joked and said, Oh, Jeff's better than me. You know, you said, yeah, we, we tend to glorify these people, but really it's just, am I, if you're listening, are you being obedient in mm. these small moments of your life? Amen. That really have humongous ramifications because Isaiah. Now I see that kid all the time, and it's like he just. I mean, it's it's a picture. It's a picture of of our relationship with God. Mm. Oh, he doesn't even know, mm. and I'm not sure he ever really will. Mm. And and if you're doing your job well, he won't, <laughs> you know. But like, he, we don't even really know what our father did for us Amen. to the fullest extent, mm. and the small picture of it that we do have should knock us over. Mm and i see that in how you are with with all of your kids even and especially beckett you know who who is your biological son but um but yeah so so i guess yeah so before we finish up before we you know uh, you and i are actually going to step into a meeting once we're done here but um what then is your overall encouragement to the person who's listening who before they listen to this they said i've never thought of fostering i've Amen. never thought of adoption and and they don't even really know where to start, but maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to them saying, this is something I have for you. So what would be your overall encouragement be to, to that of a person?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, we've just been talking about it in our, uh, staff meeting just yesterday, Mm -hmm. but, uh, our hearts truly are to be, uh, patient pursuers uh, that's a, a phrase that the Lord's brought into into our hearts. Our uh, one more, one less project director, uh, a guy named Chris Gray. Yeah, uh, he says uh, constantly. Uh, DSS's job, the state's job, is to refrain evil. Mm-hmm. The church's mm-hmm. job is to instill the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big difference there, Mm -hmm. and uh, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the church's job to instill the gospel and to show the gospel. And so if you're listening and there's ever been a a thought or there's right now just a a movement in your heart towards this, uh, people that Want to do something? Usually, end up doing something. <laughs> yeah, you know, my grandma Kay uh, is famous for saying that people do what they want to do. And yeah. as simple as that statement uh-huh. sounds, yeah, uh, the depth of it is is so far above and below the surface um, that people that want to get involved in foster care and adoption are going to find out mm-hmm. how to get involved in foster care and adoption. And so, be a patient pursuer. I think uh, consumerism has crept all through the local church, um, and that has reared its ugly head as we've started this ministry, that the excuses and the blame game has shifted from, uh, the church to the state. Mm-hmm. And as Christians were called to be patient pursuers, mm-hmm. uh, because Jesus patiently pursued you and I, right, Jeremy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's never, uh, a clearer picture of patience than in my heart and mind than of my salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, uh, I say I was saved when I was eight, but, uh, Lordship didn't happen until I was 19. Mm-hmm. And, um, the patience from eight to 19 of the Lord, uh, mm-hmm, was great. Mm-hmm. And he didn't strike me down like he could have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a, uh, a keen awareness of that in my heart and mind when it comes to foster care and adoption, Mm -hmm. because it's a mess. There's no part of it that is neatly wrapped in a bow. Um, but when you patiently pursue the gospel, your heart can't, but patiently pursue these kids. And so I I pray that that's your heart as you listen, that there's going to be bumps, there's going to be discouragement, there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be uh, long, long nights. There's going to be court cases that you don't think should go the way that they go um, through this foster care process. Um, But when you patiently pursue Christ, it allows you to keep the gospel's focus on the child rather than the system. And that would be my prayer for the church as a whole.
1: Yeah. The whole church. Um, well, if you're listening to this and, and just, even if all you want is just, Hey, I just want to, why not a little bit more? Like Jeff said, make sure to check out one more, one less project.com. Um, and social media, Facebook and Instagram is linked in uh, social, if you're in the state of North Carolina, um, one more, one less project uh, is, is especially available to you, reach out to them, uh, talk to Jeff, talk to Chris, um, uh, just about what you can be doing in the state of North Carolina, which is their heart uh, specifically. Um, if you're not in the state of North Carolina and just have questions, want a little bit of guidance, want a little bit of advice of saying like, Hey, I I want to talk to my church, my pastor, um, you know, whatever the organization is in your area that handles, uh, you know, like a department of social services or child and family services, Uh, reach out to to these guys and just, just start a conversation with them um, because their heart is to, to help people all, all over, um, not just in North Carolina, um, even though that is certainly their focus. And so uh, Jeff, uh, thank you so much, not just for doing the show, but for what you guys are doing, you and Mandy, phenomenal examples, I think, to really what's going to end up becoming generations of Christians who uh, who are seeking after the face of God and, and desiring to be obedient and they're learning through you guys of new ways to be obedient that they probably never mm-hmm. saw Amen. coming and your whole team um, no you just do a phenomenal job so I appreciate it man and I really do hope that uh, you continue to get more and more opportunities to to minister in the way that the Lord's been leading you
0: praise God thanks so much Jeremy Thank you.